0: There was a very holy and righteous Jew by the name of Rabbi Blumenkrantz who passed away over a decade ago, but he left his mark in many, many ways. One of them was that every year he published a Pesach digest with a variety of halachos and uh, practical things to know uh, heading into Pesach this digest accomplished a number of things. First thing it accomplished is it brought a new genre that overall that genre makes life easier for us. I mean, the idea of product lists for Pesach in English where someone has done all the research, every time you go on your OU app or CRC app to figure out what you can and cannot buy, um, you are, uh, we are indebted to Rabbi Blumenkrantz for that. The second thing that it accomplished was that it introduced tons of chumras in Hilchas Pesach that a generation of people assumed was actually mainstream. Because he was the only show in town. He was the only one producing. He 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 certainly was a major Tom Lachem and had every right to every shita that he had. But it doesn't mean that that was the mainstream shita that everybody else held and people just naturally assumed it was. And the third thing it accomplished was that it provided him with a platform for his on non-Pesach-related issues as well. Since all of Kalisro relied on that book for their Pesach-related questions, so they got the, he was able to stick in what he thought about electric shavers and you know all other sorts of contemporary issues. One of those issues, what we're going to talk about today, is this, a styrofoam cut. So our Blumenkrantz held that styrofoam cups are not kosher. You might ask, but who will eat a styrofoam cup? No, it's not about eating the styrofoam cup. It is about using a styrofoam cup. Now, what could the issue be with using a styrofoam cup? In the recently published Contemporary Halachic Problems, Volume 7, Rabbi J. David Bleich has a nice article on this topic, and he takes our Blumenkrantz's concerns very seriously and he addresses them as follows. What is the issue? Well, the issue is that styrofoam cups are made, the metzias is, they're made with thousands of small polymer beads that are put into a cup shaped mold and then steam expands the beads and it forms a cup. So that alone is not a problem. Those polymer beads are not at all a cautious issue. Thing is, though, it would be very difficult to remove these now expanded beads from the mold if not for a mixture of zinc oxide and stearic acid, which is added as a release agent to let it come out of the mold more smoothly. The stearic acid is the problem, because while it can be derived from vegetable sources, it's not. It's usually not derived from (coughs) vegetable sources. And therefore, it can pose a cautious problem. Now, how much of this is stearic acid, and how much of this is polymer beads? Approximately four hundred ninety nine five hundredths of this is uh, is polymer beads, and one five hundredth of it at at most is stearic acid. Meaning, very very little of it is actually the non kosher product. But be that as it may, you don't want to have something non kosher go into your mouth, right? So. Uh, so what are the tzadim lahakel? So tzad Hakel number one, might be that the stearic acid has no taste, no flavor whatsoever. There are in rights in Yerdea, when he talks about the or hakeva, he says that once something becomes like eitz b'alma, it becomes a flavorless piece of wood, it does not pose a cautious problem. A second tzad is that it's certainly batel, right? The stearic acid, it's, it's 1,500, it's way more than shishim. However, one may argue that bitle may not apply over here, because bittel maybe only applies when it's food in another food, but not when it's a food in a non-edible, meaning the actual beads are not, are not edible. They are not a food at all. The logic of bittel might be that the taste of the smaller thing is overwhelmed by the taste of the larger thing, of that which has the, the greater volume. If there is no taste to that which has the greater volume, because it's not a food at all, well then maybe Bittel can't work. However, Rabbi Bleich argues that more likely the idea of Bittel is that a smaller food is dispersed in a larger volume so in such a way where it's not even detectable. Nothing to do with the flavor of the larger of the larger food, just the fact that it it so disperses the smaller food that you cannot detect the flavor at all, in which case a food would be able to be batel even in a non-food. A third st- tzad l'hakel uh, that's suggested is that there is a mishnah sechsh trumas perakir aleph mishnah vav where the mishnah talks about if let's say I have kalim that had truma in them and I want to use those same kalim to store chulin. I happen to not be a kohen, so I'm not allowed to eat truma. And I want to store chulin in those kalim. So the Mishnah says, even though there may be residue of the truma attached to the wall of the kli, it's okay, you could just rinse it out and it's fine, even though there may still be residue of truma there so some wanted to suggest so you see that apparently slight residue in a Kli is not going to be a problem however, it seems that that is not at all a viable maramakom for our discussion the Rash in Masekhas Trumas explains that that was a coolest specifically for Truma the Toshim Kiv in the name of the Rashba says not, not, not just a coolest specifically for Truma it's Tavka talking about Truma Midra over there it's not even talking about Truma Midra Raisa the quotes from Toshos and from the Rashba that the case was that the Yisrael had not yet given the Truma to the Kohen. So if I'm a Yisrael and I have a barrel full of Truma wine, don't I realize that when I'm going to pour that wine into the Kohen's kli, there's going to be some wine left adhering to the walls of my kli? So when I take my barrel of wine and I say, this is here by Truma, what I really mean is most of this is here by Truma. But whatever is going to adhere to the walls is, in fact, not truma. So that really has very little to So that's the real Heter over there, is that it's not even truma at all. So it really has very little to do with our case, and therefore is not a viable Heter. A fourth possible Kula that uh, Rabbi Bleich suggests is the comment, the famous comment of the Yorcha Shulchan in Simon Pei Dalit Sif Lamed Vav, where the Yorcha Hashulchan says that Yesh Misha Kasav B'Shem Chach that there are scientists that say that if you put just about anything under a microscope, you will see living organisms. So how are we allowed to eat anything? There's always living organisms. Isn't it? a problem of eating shrutzim when we breathe, when we drink water, when we anything? So the Yoruch HaShulchan says that it's important to know the Torah does not assert that which the human eye cannot see. Air is full of living tiny organisms. So a person wouldn't be able to open his mouth and breathe and that's ridiculous. The the halacha only recognizes that which the eye can recognize in good light and whatever else, but that which the eye is able to recognize. So, I suggests that the coating cannot be detected by any of the five senses. You cannot find that uh, that stearic acid is uh, stuck to the uh, to the styrofoam cup at all. And maybe as something that's undetectable by definition, it's insignificant. Now, what, what this already addresses is, is uh, not so much the stearic acid that's, that's in the beads, that's in the mixture of the beads itself, but that the stearic acid, is part of it is not absorbed by the beads and actually coats the interior surface of the cup. So what do we do with that? Now, certainly when you put a uh, coffee into this cup, whatever stearic acid is on the uh, minuscule amount, is, uh, is coating the cup, is automatically bottle, right? It's bottle in way more than, uh, than shishim in whatever liquid you put in here. But there is a problem. One is not allowed to be mevatel iser lechadchila. So if I know that there's a minuscule amount of iser in here, when I pour a coffee in here, aren't I violating ein mevatel in iser, Khila, that I'm actively making Bittal happen. So to this he suggests, the Shulchan Aruch writes in Yerdei and Sadi Tasev that the reason ain't mevat is that out of a concern that a person might think he's being mevat l'yissir, but mess up the math in his head and do it in a way where it's not actually being mevat l'yissir. But, says the Shulchan Aruch explicitly, if you have a type of Kli that has some minor Bliya, or some minor amount of iser, where no matter what you put in that clean, it's always going to be enough to be batel. So there's no concern that you might mess up the cheshben, because there's such a minuscule amount of iser, that no matter what you use it for, it's always going to be batel, then there's no problem of a evat len The problem with that is that not everyone agrees with the shulchan ar-akh. The taz, inside the tesovkat and tesvav, the shach, and kufchav, bay, of and gimel, disagree with the uh, Shulchan Aruch. The Taz allows it for Blios, but over here we're not talking about something that's balua. we're talking about whatever's left on the actual surface of the Kli. The other Tzad is the Ramayon Yerdea, Simei you'd Gimel, quotes from Trumas Adeshen discussing heating a honeycomb that has pieces of shratzim in it, that when there is no Kavana Levatel, and you don't even uh, realize that you are being mevatel something, that's not called a mevatel, this is a chalchila. You're not intending to be mevatel, you don't even realize you're being mevatel, it's not like you're taking a drop of of, of milk and dropping it in your chicken soup, knowing that you're being mevatel the milk in the chicken soup. You don't even know, stearic acid, I would have asked you, you know, 10 minutes ago, uh, what stearic acid, or 10 minutes and 30 seconds ago, what stearic acid is, you would have said, uh, I I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to presume what level of knowledge you have, you would have known, I have no idea. You know, you wouldn't have known, you certainly wouldn't have known that it's there on the cup and that you're trying to be mevatelit. The question is whether that works, that Rama works for this case. The Taz holds that that's only true if there's no other way to access the food, like by a honeycomb. Over here there are other ways to have coffee. You can use paper cups. You don't necessarily have to use a styrofoam cup. Rabbi, Rabbi Racha, actually has a list of companies of styrofoam cups that don't use stearic acid or use some sort of kosher stearic acid. The other problem is with Kivega writes in Simonai and Zion and Shuva that the Shuvah is only making when the bitel is necessary in order to prepare the food like the honey but not when the food is already prepared and you're just trying to be mevatel an isser in it. And he says the entire case of the Truma sedation is only when there's a suffix whether there's an iser there. Over here, we know that there's a steric acid here, and therefore should be, a, uh, might be a problem. But, uh, given all of that, I think the uh, the dem lahakel are significant enough, especially considering that it may only be a Suffolk if you don't, uh, you know, I don't know that we're a to call every styrofoam cup company and figure out, uh, you know, what exactly their policies are, what exactly the way they make the, the cups are. Um, the, the final word though, Black points out is that this child is quickly becoming irrelevant because uh, in, in a growing number of cities, styrofoam cups are becoming illegal to, uh, to use. Um, because it gets lodged in the intestines of marine animals and kills them, and it becomes a sponge for contaminants and pollutants. So it's uh, you know the environmentalists have uh, have won, and the styrofoam cups are becoming so. Other than here in Yeshiva, styrofoam <laughs> cups are becoming less and less commonly found, and uh, therefore Rabbi Blumenkrantz of Keren Ivroch, I'm sure, is looking down from Shemayim and smiling that in uh, the end of the day he won. Okay.